Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lifko. And welcome to another episode of Jack and Flash. The sun is shining here in beautiful Hobart. And as always, you can catch us on 1629 uh, 1629 SEN Hobart, SEN Track, across the northern part of the state and, of course, around the world on the SEN app. And as always, I am joined by David Flash Lithgow. Welcome, Flash, back to another week of Jack and Flash. How are you? Top of the morning to you, young man. How's uh, quarantine travelling there? What are you, eight or nine days in? Day nine here in quarantine, uh, and it's fair to say Driving that. Driving back, son. Oh, we're 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 on the on the downward slope now of getting out of uh, out of quarantine and into the beautiful Tasmanian air and into Hobart. But it's uh, certainly very very exciting. It's actually gone a lot quicker than I uh, thought it would. The girls have been very very good over the last few days, so uh, enjoying it. They flash, but um, I'm looking out across the Derwent at the moment, and it is a corker of a day down here, and it has been a corker of a week. In well, Tasmanian sport, world sport, and Australian sport as well, and no bigger than last night and our boys over there in the T20 World Cup getting a much, much needed win, and also on the back of the points getting the uh, run rate and the percentage up as well. Flash a, a really great performance overnight. It's a bit of a turnaround from those couple of losses from you know several weeks ago now against Bangladesh, wasn't it? But what an important result and. The Adam Zampa show just keeps rolling on. You want to talk about a tournament he's having. He's been absolutely outstanding. But that gives them a little bit of flexibility, that win. They can still probably get sneak into the semis, even with a loss in the in their last pool game. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, they got mauled by the Poms. And I guess a bit of a reality check, but this 2020 game, it's so... So fluid, things can change pretty quickly. I mean, England certainly seemed like the team to beat, but uh, that was a complete performance. Zampri nearly got a, he nearly got a hat trick too, didn't he? Did you he, did you catch that? No, I did. I saw Wait, a few just little missed snippets a, this missed morning. A... I did mm. see a bit of the bit of the snippets last night, and uh, catching up on the score, Australia did win by eight wickets, uh, and have moved to second in the group of the ICC T20 uh, and Bangladesh route for just 73 from 15 overs. Adam Zampa, as you mentioned, he took five for 19 in a man-of-the-match performance uh, and in just 6.2 overs, Australia were able to get those runs and get the runway, which puts them, most importantly, puts them above South Africa. And that's crucial for the semifinals, uh, the two teams, the top two teams from either side of the draw going in. Australia currently sits second and they will play uh, arguably the tournament favourites, the West Indies, in uh, in their last game. And uh, South Africa will play England, who, of course, uh, mauled uh, Australia, as you said, Flash, quite convincingly. And the one thing you did mention there is the hat-trick ball, and a hat-trick is the golden part of a, of a bowler, a bowler's arsenal. They love to get those hat-tricks. Uh, certainly it's something that 
well, Damien Fleming's actually uh, made a, a career, and that's a career outside of cricket on radio and TV, off the fact that he took a hat-trick in his first ever test match. We've got some audio here from last night on SEN. The commentary is Sam Hargraves and Darren Berry on that catch that was dropped by Matthew Wade. Of an over, and here we go on a hat trick. Oh, oh did he, dro- did he drop that? Edge, and I think Wade's dropped it. I think he's. We've I given think him a rap. Matty Wade has dropped the hat trick ball. We've given him a rap. Get Damien Fleming on the line to talk us through. Warning. Warning. Wrongen, left hander, drive. Nick. Oh, yep. Hat trick dropped. We gave Matthew Wade a rap, and he's put the hat trick on the floor and cost Adam Zampa something very, very special. Well, the one thing we didn't Tough pick up in the audio there, Flash, was the fact that uh, on the TV audio, you can hear Zampa, he sort of mouthed to him, Matthew, he goes, that was my hat-trick ball. And Wadey, who we uh, were very proud of, good good Tasmanian Wadey, uh, came back with the quip that uh, he was still, yeah, he realised, and I tried to catch it. So, very smart thinking there by Matthew Wade. <laughs> look, it's, yeah, look, that, this is... It's an important result, and I think you summed it up before with the net run rate. Um, looking at the standings, obviously in their group, England are through, haven't lost a game, and look at their net run rate of 3.183. Australia now in second in front of South Africa. So effectively, um, they can. if South Africa lose the last pool match, Australia will still go through. The other side of the draw is where it's really interesting. Pakistan, the undefeated side, but... Currently, Afghanistan, Afghanistan are in the pole position for a, a semi-final berth. They've won two and lost two, but they've got a good run rate. New Zealand, though, with a game in hand. So, um, India in trouble, um, as we know. So, it's coming to a bit of a climax. Very exciting to see how we can go. Look, I'm happy to be so on record. I didn't think they could win it. I've been so concerned about their T20 form, Jack, for a, a number of months slash years now. But they're tracking in the right direction. Yes, yes, they are tracking in the right direction. I think that's the T20 game. They've been able to hit themselves into some form. And as always, you can join us on uh, the phone lines and on the text line. The talkback number is 1342-1533. And that text number is 0437-552-535. We've already had a couple come through off the morning. Uh, the first, first one's come from Steve. Jack, what can you do in quarantine? Well, Steve, uh, I've got a little treadmill here. A treadmill here. The people at Sinclair's in Hobart have sent me down a treadmill and uh, a few dumbbells. Flash with your linguini arms. I'm telling you, Flash, you wouldn't be able to lift these 20 kilo dumbbells. But I'm uh, I'm making part of it. I've also got a, a bit of a like a, a cycling uh, a bike, so a stationary bike. Sorry that um, I can jump online. It sounds a bit nerdy, Flash, but I jump online and do some rides around the world. Ride in London. Ride a little bit in New York, um, those sort of it's things. It's interesting so. for the people at home that not where aware you've become obsessed with being on the bike in the last not even two years, about eighteen months and a bit, isn't it? Is that about right? Have I got that timeline right? Yeah, no, it's a good. I probably eighteen months, but I quite enjoy it. And um, down here, obviously, there's some fantastic riding. I'm looking forward to riding up Mount Wellington. And, and we mentioned on the show a few weeks ago that I. Uh, I'm looking forward to challenging Peter Siddle when he's back in town because he loves his riding as well. We've actually bought bikes from the same place in Melbourne, um, Total Rush, which is right across from the, club, the Richmond Football Club. They're very good friends of Peter Siddle's as well. So we've we've bought the same machines. We can't we can't say that either P-City. of us have got an advantage there. So um, maybe we could set a match race up there, me and P City up up. Uh, 
Well, obviously, the famed Mount Wellington climb there. Another one off the text line here. Bloody weighty. Poor Zamps. And that one comes from Mitch. Well, it, it, it's... It was it was a half chance, but I put it to you. We we have our, our man here, and of course, uh, the resident keeper of this radio show, um, a bloke that goes all right, Tim Payne. Would, would Payne have caught that one flash? I think we all acknowledge um, that uh, Tim's very much the superior wicketkeeper um, than than Matthew. But that look, I actually I only saw one look at the chance. I'd actually like to get another look at it now. It looked pretty tough to me when I saw it. The replay early, early this morning. Um, he may well have done. Actually, I look. Tim fancies himself in most apparatus. I think if you'd ask him, he'd probably think he should be in that team. So. Um, <laughs> Look, it's a, it's an interesting... Wadey, look, I've got to commend him. I thought his international cricket was pretty much done, um, you know, six to eight months ago, and he just keeps hanging on, hanging on. He's got all these kids that want that spot, you know, whether it's Inglis or Philippi. Um, I mean, Pearson's perhaps not known as a 2020 cricketer as much, but Carey's obviously there, and he just he's just fending him off, fending him off. I think, I reckon it's that... We know what he brings to the table, Wadey, don't we? Absolute grit. Um, he's verbally very active. Is that a good word to put? Something you're very familiar with, Jack, Involved. Yourself. Involved, uh, yeah. It's a dogged attitude, isn't it? Um, it's a dogged attitude. And I think, um, Flash, I think his teammates feed off that as well. It's it's, it's really too, important to, ha- to have yeah. someone like that in, in, your, in your team who's... Let's face it, he's probably got a little bit of short man syndrome, Wadey, because he doesn't, not, not really big in physical stature, but he, he certainly packs a punch, and I reckon his teammates certainly walk taller with Matthew Wade playing in that team there. So if you want to join us, talk back number 1342-1533, or shoot your text in to 0437 Flush, we've got a big, big show today. Of course, we'll always have... Tim Payne, he's going to be chatting all things Ashes, and it's very, well, the, t- the clock is ticking, really, in terms of Payne getting up and going for his, uh, well, for the first test, what sort of cricket is he going to get in beforehand, so we'll ask him that. We've got the Jack Jumpers import, Josh Majette, who, um, big uh, raps, yes. big, big raps, I've just been reading a couple of other articles, because I'm, I'm not super big on, on, on my NBA, I don't know a lot, as probably as much as you, but keep hearing names like... Uh, Steph Curry, uh, John Stockton, uh, Steve Nash have been thrown around Josh Majette, so that's certainly going to be point a, a really, really interesting chat. Uh, we're going to be chatting to a Tasmanian journalist who's making it big, or has made it big, in uh, in TV and radio, and is now putting his, uh, his trade on paper in terms of a kid's book, and that is Alistair Nicholson, a penguin import, or export, sorry, and we'll be discussing all things Spring Carnival. Flash, I don't know whether you caught this one, but it came up on uh, on the Mercury website during the week. There are, there are, oh, I'll read it out. The Mercury has reported that two Tasmanians, an architectural designer, Glenn Munro, and his friend John Bates, and I don't know what John does, have proposed that we build an 80,000-seat stadium in Tunbridge. So for the people that don't know Tasmania, Tunbridge is nearly smack bang in the middle. It's between uh, it's between Oatlands and Campbelltown. Campbelltown generally known as the centre of, of Tasmania. Halfway between Launceston and Hobart to appease any city bias with the Tasmanian AFL team. 
Is this not one of the biggest myths of all now. time that the North-South rivalry is dead flash? We are Tasmanians and we oh. just want a Tasmanian team, don't we? And we are not going to plonk, plonk an 80,000 stadium in Tunbridge. Well, why was this printed in the paper? I mean, you <laughs> want to talk about just garbage innuendo. Um, lovely little town, Tunbridge. Hello to everybody listening from there this morning. Of Always course, roadworks but... in Tunbridge. Always <laughs> roadworks. Well, mate. There's been roadworks up that road now for about three years, as we know. There's still, um, it is it is actually the Midlands Highway we're talking about, and it is coming along, but it's been a long, long journey. But no, absolute garbage. And I, look, I think that north-south thing, you know, back once upon a time was very much um, an issue. Someone like me, as you know, I'm from the north of the state, but I've been down here for 20 years. So um, I think I've seen both sides of it and all, and I... I I actually don't think anybody even talks about it anymore. I, I, re- I don't think I've heard anyone really say it as a proper issue for three to four or five years. Um, nothing to see. What is the population at Tunbridge? I think there's probably... Uh, it wouldn't be many. 300 would, there? Uh, 300. I, I think, yeah, I think the commentary around the North-South rivalry actually is used by mainlanders as a point to say, well, we can't Correct. have a team, but... I'm going to watch on these two blocks because there's, uh, there has to only be one reason why they're staying Tunbridge. And Huge yes, watch. it is in the middle. I reckon I reckon our boys, John and Glenn, have got a bit of land up at Tunbridge and they've seen an opportunity here to get a mate at the, a mate at the Mercury to write an ah, article to say, hey, milking. Hey, Peter Gutwin, you, you want a stadium here? We have got the best parcel land in Tunbridge. This would be perfect for a sports precinct. But uh, no, that two thousand. Like sorry, you do, mate. If I was being honest, that sounds like something <laughs> you do. If I was being honest, promoting something that might have a little little fringe benefit going forward in terms of your <laughs> little patch of dirt. Can't go broke making a profit. Flash man. Two thousand sixteen census had Tunbridge population at a hundred and forty five. So another great mm. talkback topic there. Should ta- should Tasmania have an AFL team based in Tunbridge? Give us a call on 1342 1533 or send us a text on 0437-552-535. Even if you live in Tunbridge or were born in Tunbridge, do you think the town of Tunbridge could have the capacity to look after an AFL team here? I wonder, I wonder what Gil, do you reckon Gil McLaughlin knows where Tunbridge is, Flash? I can assure you Gil has got no idea where Tunbridge was. I'm surprised you knew, actually. It was pretty much uh, one of the first jobs <laughs> of the morning. Uh, well, it's a, certainly a great morning here in Hobart, and we're looking forward to a big, big show today. As always, you're joining Jack and Flash here right on SEN Hobart and around the world on the SEN app. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lifker. Welcome back to Jack and Flash on SEN Hobart. Painty to join us in the next hour, and we are brought to you all thanks to Harrison Agents. Selling your home, contact Harrison Agents today. Flashman, they've been strong on the Tunbridge text line. We've had a couple come in. I've had Ooh, one here. Uh, look at this one's come from Steve. He goes, Easy Merger, which the mergers we've been talking about, we're obviously the Gold Coast Suns sending them down here and merging them with the Tasmanian team, not having that 19th licence here. So it says, Steve says, Easy Merge Richmond and Tunbridge, the Tunbridge Tigers. I don't mind that, Steve. Don't mind that one off the text line there, the Tunbridge Tigers. I don't know how you go getting 100,000 Richmond people. And I can just see our producer on Zoom shaking his head now. He's a mad tiger, Mitch Scott. He is shaking his head. No, he doesn't. wants nothing to do with the Tunbridge Tigers. Well, one team flash 
that we do have uh, an, in Tasmania, and they are Tasmania's NBL team, the Jack Jumpers, and they're getting close to making their NBL d- debut, sorry, yes. with the NBL Blitz just over one week away, followed by the NBL season proper, tipping off from December 3rd, and we've already got some uh, some, some plans in the works to possibly move this to a drive show for one week with that first night kicking off. The Jack Jumpers' first game of the NBL Blitz is November 14 against the Brisbane Bullets. And it is already sold out. And a man who's going to play a pivotal role in the inaugural season of the Jack Jumpers is our star import, Josh Majette, and our point guard. How are you, Josh? Welcome to Jack and Flash. I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we can hear in your accent there, mate. You're an American uh, basketball. You've come out here to Tasmania. How have you found Tasmania, and how have you found the kickoff to the Jack Jumpers preseason. Oh, it's been great. Um, liking it even more now. The weather's uh, clearing up a little bit and getting a little warmer outside, so that's great. Uh, my wife and, and one-year-old daughter are here with me, and and we've adjusted and loving Hobart and, and loving everything that goes with Tasmania. Um, practice has been really good so far. We've been working really hard. It's been a it's been a long preseason, but I think that works to our advantage with having 15 new guys who've never played together before. So uh, it gives us a chance to familiarize ourselves and and learn each other and uh, see what uh, everybody does best out on the court and and how we can uh, be be most successful. Josh, um, thanks for joining us, mate. I'm, I am very familiar with your career, um, and it's fascinating. I'm always interested to talk to someone like yourself i mean you really do epitomize the word journeyman and i mean that in the the nicest possible way um when did this thing to come to tassie in the nbl in australia come up have you previously talked about coming out here um give us a bit of a snapshot of how the opportunity presented itself yeah I've, i've kept up with the nbl for quite some time and um i would just see the trajectory of the league and how competitive and how how high of level it is and um you know, seeing the guys that are the kind of imports that I'm familiar with and, and guys that sign into this league and how good they are and the kind of careers they've had. And uh, to be honest, I've tried to get into the NBL for the last uh, year or two. Um, you know, I just think it's a the style of play and the, the kind of league it is. And uh, like I said, the trajectory is, is something I want to be a part of. And I think it suits my game well. And I'm just really excited to be here and, and very grateful for this opportunity. Josh, you're 32 years of age. What's uh, you've, and you've had the, the great experience of playing all around 26 uh, all around the world. Sorry, uh, USA, Europe. 26 NBA games. How important is that experience going to be? Bringing that to to what is a fairly young Jack Jumper side. Yeah, it's it's big. Um, you know, I think you know we have maybe not the most uh, experienced group, but we've got guys who are hungry and and humble and and here to work and we all have some something to prove i think you know from guys one to 15 we have chips on our shoulders and we all came here with something to prove and uh i think you're going to see that every night on the court you know we might not have you know the most prolific names but i think we've got you know enough experience and enough uh kind of uh moxie for us to draw on and i think that's you know what we're going to need every night out I'm interested, obviously, in the process and from an American point of view and how they now see the NBL. Um, we all know um, about the terrific story with LaMelo Ball coming out a couple of years ago. 
what a star he's going to be. And he's just taken his game mm-hmm. to another level this year. And then, obviously, on the back of Josh Giddy, who looks absolutely ready-made at six foot nine, controlling mm-hmm. the points in OKC. Um, it, it, it's a different system now, isn't it, with this, the sense that it's not like back in your day, say, 12... 13 years ago as you're entering college, there's there really is different opportunities for people to get into the NBA and um, apply their trade and, and obviously get remunerated as well, which has obviously been a lifelong issue when you're talking about college basketball and the pathways to get yourself to the big league. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different avenues now. Um, I mean, you see every year almost, you know, a young... Um, a young American come over, coming over here just to get used to professional basketball. Uh, and I think that's a huge draw of the NBL, um, knowing there's all these eyes on the games and and people, even if it's not in the NBA, um, eyes worldwide. And um, just it's a place where guys can come to kind of uh, boost their career and um, kind of be a jump start. And, you know, it's just a place where people are watching and, you know, um, it could always lead to something bigger in the future. We're chatting here with, of course, Josh Majet, uh, the Jack Jumper star import and our star point guard. Josh, I don't know whether you've caught this one or you've copped any ribbing from your teammates as of yet, but Scott Roth, of course, the man <laughs> that is leading the charge down at the Jack Jumpers, been fairly high in praise in, in your game. Uh, a quote, I've seen him do things in practice already that I haven't seen anybody do at any level. Not Steve Nash, not Steph Curry. And also when recruiting you, he said you reminded you reminded him of John Stockton. They're three very, very big names, mate. We are <laughs> expecting very big things. How does it feel when the senior coach says something about you like that? Yeah, no pressure or anything. Just got to go out and uh, perform like those three guys, I guess. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, those are three guys that I watch a lot of film on and, you know, never miss a chance to, to see them when they're on TV or anything. So uh, I, I, I love watching them play, and they're obviously, you know, fantastic players and, and guys I've looked up to. And um, I don't know about uh, – making plays that they've, they've never played and they've, they've never made, but um, they're, they're really, really special players. And uh, if I can just, you know, be a fraction of what they are, I think we'll be all right. In terms of your journey, um, what was your opportunity that you thought you maybe just missed out on? I mean this in a nice way. You've been at Memphis um, for periods of time, Atlanta Warriors, Magic, Spurs, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think there was one of those things where perhaps – you could have got a decent run at the NBA. Is it one in particular that stands out? Um, you know, I, I try not to really dwell on the past. Um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate and had opportunities. Uh, when it gets down to these, you know, last few roster spots on these NBA teams, it's it's just so much about timing and opportunity. And you know, I mean, you see guys come in and out of in and out of the NBA every single year. And you know, there's some really really talented guys in this world that you know, have never gotten a chance to play in the NBA. So I'm just very thankful that, you know, I I did get that opportunity um, because I I know there's, you know, there's not guys who are lucky enough to get that chance. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just coming back. It's kind of all about timing and opportunity and, you know, being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, it doesn't happen for some guys, but I was lucky enough for it to happen. Well, Josh, it certainly is very exciting times here in Tasmania. Uh, One of our, we're very excited about what, 
is to come with the Jack Jumpers, and you, of course, will play a pivotal role in that, mate. So thank you for joining us, and best of luck for the upcoming NBL Blitz and the NBA uh, NBL season. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm hoping to see you out see you out at a game here soon. No doubt we'll be sitting front row there. And you can head to nbl.com.au to find out more about the NBL Blitz, which is coming up here in Tasmania. Not only the Jack Jumpers playing, but lots of sides joining the Jack Jumpers down here, playing all over the state with the Jack Jumpers first game on November 14th. Head to jackjumpers.com.au to become a member. And tickets for the individual matches for the NBL season tipping off on December 3 against the Brisbane Bullets will go on sale later this month. As always, you can give us a call on 1342 1533 or send us a text on 0437 552 535. This is Jack and Flash on SN Hobart. Payne to join us after eight. What's the pass mark for the Man, Jack he's Jumpers? he's a player. A, yeah, he, he, certainly a player. And, yep. I mean, the raps have been put on him. What's the pass mark for the Jack Jumpers this year, do you reckon? Um, it's really interesting to to know. I I think I think if you can get close to double digit wins, you'd be really thrilled, wouldn't you? It's such a an unusual circumstance that you've you've put this together, and how good can they be? Um, yeah, I I can't wait to get out there. Well, I think it's November fourteenth, the first game. You and I'll be there for sure on, on the Sunday afternoon to get a sneak peek of them. Initially, big Josh Adams is is motoring well. Terribly exciting for all us basketball fans, sports fans in general here in Tassie. It is terribly exciting. And if you want to chat all things Jack Jumpers, you can hit us up on 1342 or send us a text. If you're excited about the NBL Blitz or you're looking Oof. forward to going, or if you've got tickets to the NBL Blitz, it's of course already sold out that first game. The text number is 0437 535 Got a couple of the text here. Uh, you can't have a team in Tunbridge. Surely just a split between Hobart and Launceston will be fine. That one comes from Jake. That's a no-brainer there, Jake. I reckon 75% of the games in Hobart, 25 in Launceston. This one here, just base it in Hobart. Build the stadium, Pete. Liam from Bell Reef. Great suburb, Bell Reef. Uh, there's no way a team should be based in Tunbridge. Most ridiculous idea I've heard. George from Launceston. Uh, this one's... About Josh here. Josh seems like a great guy, great perspective. I'm going to sign up as a Jack Jumper Craig. Well, the memberships are going hotcakes. Flash, you've had some correspondence though from Tunbridge. Is that correct? Uh, we missed one. And I think deep down I should have remembered this one. But there's a great name from Tunbridge. Craig from Cadbury's has let us know. Stephen Froggy Byers. What a legend he is. For people that aren't aware, Froggy Byers uh, played, applied his trade for New Norfolk back in the day. He was a superstar in state league footy and also played for Tasmania. Started on the bench versus Victoria in that famous victory in 1990. Finished his career at my beloved OHA, of course, and played, gee, I reckon he played seven years at OHA. He was, I played with him a few times. He was unbelievable to play with. Such a pure ruckman that he was. But uh, Stephen Froggy Byers, absolute legend. No doubt, though, you wouldn't have worn those Lorna Jane Tates tights down there at oh, OHA. Up <laughs> next, though, we are joined by some Tasmanian sporting journalist royalty. That is Alistair Nicholson. This is Jack and Flash on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lifkoff. Welcome back to Jack and Flash right here on SN Hobart and as always brought to you by Harrison Agents. Selling your home, Harrison Agents are the team for you. Well, Tasmania's 
had some very, very important sporting stars come out of the Apple Isle, but to report the news on those sporting stars, you always need the publishers, the journalists, and we've got a litany of good journalists. Flashy, I'd throw you into the into that mix as well, but we are joined by some absolute Tasmanian journalist royalty today. Uh, he's just written a kid's book as well. I'm going to call him the publisher from Penguin. That, of course, is Alastair Nicholson. Welcome to the show, Alastair. Jack, great to be with you. Thanks, mate. Mate, uh, first things first, Penguin Boy. How, how old were you when you moved from, from Penguin? And uh, how, what's Penguin, what was Penguin like growing up? Oh, it was awesome, mate. Fantastic place to grow up. Lots of freedoms. We lived on three quarters of an acre. Um, access to the beach. There was a, a creek, the Penguin Creek, down the back paddock where you could go catch a trout. We had a cricket ground in the paddock as well. And all sorts of good old-fashioned fun to have uh, trees to climb and, and lots of great people on the northwest coast of Tassie as well, mate. So it wasn't until I went to university in 1998, at the end of 98, that I, my mum packed me up a box and gave me a brief description of how to cook spaghetti bolognese and off I went and moved to the big smoke, comparatively, of, of Hobart. The big smoke of Hobart, yeah, mate. <laughs> it certainly is. I love Penguin. I love the big Penguin statue there. Of course, that part of the world has brought us the, the Gales, and I think uh, Maverick Weller might have even coached the Two Blues this year. Yeah. Uh, coached them reasonably successfully as well. Uh, well, mate, you, uh, you've just released your first children's book. Did you ever think you'd write a, a children's book? And that book, of course, is called Cricket. Oh, I just love it. Was it something on your radar, or did it just come fairly organically? Yeah, I think not until I became a, a dad myself, Jack, and I started reading for my own boys, and it was such a part of the nightly routine, and it really struck me, um, a, a very clever children's book, a, a well-written children's book, had this sort of magical quality about it, that they could be, you know, so inattentive and um, have so much energy throughout the day, but the minute you put a good book in front of them, they were totally absorbed in it, so the capacity to for them to concentrate for, for long periods when there was a good book involved, I really enjoyed that, and I didn't see too many picture books um, related to cricket, which I found a bit strange given it's the national sport and, and I knew how much my boys grew to love cricket and I thought there was a real opportunity there and I, I just thought it would be a fun thing to do. I didn't necessarily think it would end up ever getting published, but um, yeah, thrilled that it has and, and really happy with how it's come up. Uh, our great to have you, Jack. I will just come across to you because I, I had a look earlier on at some of the greatest tours the world has ever seen and I came up with you two in 2009, <laughs> 2011 where they had about 280 gigs. Cat Empire back in 2004 or five. would you believe they did 450 gigs in two years? Alison Nixon's got very, very close to this. My gosh, have you been doing the rounds, young man? <laughs> Flash, I knew this was, you were going to test me out through this interview. I, did, I didn't expect sort of, that wasn't even really a question, but just straight out of the block, very like you, which is good to see, mate. Um, I'm glad to be chatting to you boys, to be honest. It's the interview I've been looking forward to the most. I'm disappointed Payne's not on, Jack, um, and I know my boys in particular are very excited about coming on the the Jack and Payne show, and, and they only know Flash is the bloke that I tend to talk to for half an hour on any given day when they're being picked up from school or whatever. So I think they know Flash pretty well just by listening to some of the trash that we speak when we have a conversation <laughs> in the car. <laughs> Mate, it's terrific. Um, the book is outstanding, and it, it clearly is getting some good traction. Um I know, well, I haven't asked you this, actually, but if you if you thought of a follow-up or are you just going to wait and see how this goes and 
is it something perhaps going forward you might um, consider doing it again, perhaps in another format yeah, or a similar format? Yeah, I reckon I, I would. Um, and when I first started doing it, as I was saying, it was only very much just a, a bit of a fun side project and I, and I wasn't really taking it overly seriously. And it was something that I put together over a few years. I'd be in an airport um, waiting to go to the, a footy game or something for work and I'd just be fiddling around. It's, it's written in rhyme and it's essentially um, the view of, of a range of different children from all walks of life on why they love the game. And it's got a bit of a sense of mischief and fun and things getting broken and all those experiences that we would remember from playing cricket as, as kids are sort of blended in there. But it wasn't until um, yeah quite late in the piece that I, I got it to a point where I thought it was okay and, and put it under um, the noses of a few people who I, I respect the judgment of and, and then we managed to find a publisher for it. So I've loved the process. Um, it's been really fun. Alan and Unwin is the publisher who have put the book together for me and, and they're interested in doing some more books, which is really exciting. Um, I'll definitely do it again. The idea of having a a book on a child's bookshelf is, is something that, yeah, I find really exciting and um, I think there's scope to do definitely more of them. And, and the idea of a, a child reading your book with their parent and having that lovely experience in the evening before bed is, that, yeah, I think that's really cool. So, you know, when you're a commentator, and I know you would experience this too, Flash, you're constantly calling moments, such, you know, Jack kicking his 600, 700th goal or, you know, a high mark, no, Shea Bolton, that's a dreamer. But... A book is something that lasts forever, um, and I love the idea that that's going to be something that can be read over and over again. So, yeah, it's, it's been an exciting process. Um, I've had a little bit of dealing with, with children's books, and we're, of course, chatting here with uh, Tasmanian commentator and now author Alistair Nicholson. Alex Rance has written a few kids' books. Now, he tried to do the illustrating himself as well and failed dismally. Did you have to... <laughs> are you, are you, have you got that sort of artsy eye and able to... To wield the pen like that, or is it just the words for you, or oh, you had to mate. call on someone else? Yeah, definitely not, Jack. I'm an, an appalling artist, so if, if I'd illustrated it, it'd be a bit like... If you've seen Diary of the Wimpy Kid with the stick figure characters in it, that's about all I'd be able to muster up. But Tom Jellett um, is the illustrator. He's done a, a few books that we had on our shelves, and, and the publisher uh, suggested him to me, and, and I immediately knew he'd be perfect for it. He'd done a book called um, Why I Love Footy with another author and uh, he's got a very distinctive style and um, as much as I wrote the words that go with the book the illustrations have really brought it to life it's really captured the fun of cricket some of the history of the game um, names like Ponting and Warren and Bradman are in there and then some of the female players that are now blazing their own trail and becoming very prominent Meg Lanning and Elisa Healy Elise Perry all of those types of players so and I wanted every little kid that reads the book to, to see themselves in the book in a way, to see someone who reflected them in the book. So it, it shows the diversity of the game of cricket, which I think is one of the, the great things about cricket. You can play it from a young age. It doesn't matter your background. You can play it until you're very old as well. You can still have a connection with the game. And um, Tom's really captured that perfectly in his illustrations, I think. So uh, without him, it would just be a, some nice words on paper. And, and he's certainly made the, the book pop, and it's quite an eye-catching thing. Certainly the artist brings it to life and something that's coming to life and we will chat to you quickly a little bit about cricket. Uh, Twitter lit up last night uh, and you were quick to back our boy up, T-Pain. Warney absolutely clipped Painey yesterday and you tweeted, Pot's them better than Eddie Charlton. He's, Warney's missed the mark here, surely, hasn't he? Flash as well, he's missed uh, the mark. Come well, on now. Every good opinion is based in fact, surely, isn't it? 
sellers and, and the assertions made in it, it was just absolute nonsense. Um, suggesting that Paney had lost the last couple of test series. Well, in reality, Australia, the last three test series that Tim's captain, they'd won two of them. Um, they'd beaten Pakistan 2-0, New Zealand 3-0 and then lost to the best team in the world 2-1. Also under Tim's captaincy, the Ashes were retained in England, which is a very difficult thing to do. And then to suggest he hadn't made any runs, his average during that, that period of, of matches against New Zealand and India actually went up. So he averaged 40, or the best part of 40, during those two series in Australia. So it's all well and good to have opinions, and, and obviously the media um, thrives off all of that. And you've just got to make sure that your opinion is based on, on fact as a starting point. And I think that, that opinion really missed the mark. No, Mr. Mark Warney. Well, Alistair, thank you for joining us here, mate. We really do appreciate it, and we hope you become a friend of the show because we're looking forward to you commentating the cricket over what is going to be a big summer and a big Ashes series. Thanks, Jack. Love listening to the show. You guys are doing an awesome job down there. Thanks, Al. And as always, you can find, well, you can find any book at a good bookstore. You can probably find Alistair's at a bad bookstore as well. So go out there. If you like your cricket or kids like cricket, get on this one. I just love cricket. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lifko. I just look at the Australian side and there's a lot of gaps. I think our fast bowlers, Pat Cummins looks a short of a gallop. Now we know he's going to come good because he's world class. But Stark's nowhere. Uh, Hazelwood's bowling well. But apart from that, we've got Warner, you know, not making a run very much. Who's he going to open with? Labashane, Smith, 3-4. Who's going to bat five? Green's still a young player, looks pretty good. Payne. He's a, you know, he's had a shocker the last couple of years as captain. Tactically, he's been very poor, lost two series, can't make a run. So our side's not that great. You know, here's the big thing. No one fears Australia anymore. There you go, Flash. <laughs> the King, Shane Warne. What's he talking Di- about? Didn't miss, though. Didn't miss, though. We, uh, we, he, we had a go at, he's had a go at Warner. He's had a go at Stark. He's had a go at Pat Cummins, the world's best bowler. And of course, he's Mr. E. Didn't What's miss our boy, did he? But he's actually never batted any better at test level. He can't make a run. And by the way, we haven't played much cricket the last 18 months, Shane. Well, oh, look, he's become, you know what he is? He's the greatest I've ever seen. But he's Dawn Fraser these days, who is also one of the greatest. Dialerquote.com. It's all it is. Give me a Dialerquote.com. No, the big king did not miss T-Pain there. And, uh, well, we have won. Two of the last three series, as we heard from Alistair Nicholson just prior to that break, there. We're going to get the. We're going to get. We're going to get his thoughts. We're going to get his thoughts. Tim Payne up right after this. This is Jack and Flash on Sen Hobart. Harrison Agents to buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania. Search Harrison Agents today on 1629 Sen Hobart. Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lifter. Welcome to another massive hour of the Jack and Flash show on SEN Hobart and of course SEN Track at the northern part of the state and right around the country and the world on the SEN app. It's all thanks to Harrison Agents selling your home. Contact Harrison Agents today. As always, 
You can give us a call on 1300 or send us a text on 0437 552 Well, it's that time, Flashman, where we are joined by our cricket correspondent. And what a great correspondent he is, of course, the Australian <laughs> cricket, <laughs> cricket test cricket, cricket captain. Correspondent. I wasn't, wasn't ready for Tim that. Payne, Payne, welcome back to the show. Hey, Jed, how are we? Yeah, very good, very good. Uh, mate, <laughs> big win there. last night. Big win last night in the T20 World it Cup. Was. How important Much is it for Australian too. cricket? Uh, yeah, it's, it's always important. World Cups, aren't they? You want to perform well at them. And um, last night, I think, you know, it wasn't just the result. I think it was probably the way the boys went about it. There was a bit more aggression uh, with both bat and ball. And uh, I think when we play that way, we're pretty hard to beat, so it's good to see some of our better players, Zampa taking wickets, Stark started well, Hazelwood, uh, Finch was really aggressive at the top, so it was, a, it was a pretty complete team performance last night and obviously fixed our net run rate issues, which is um, excellent going into our last round game against the West Indies. Going into that game, Payne, did you, it, clearly our net run rate was poor prior to playing Bangladesh yep. last night. The focus is always getting the win, but would Langer, Justin Langer have said to the boys, we need to win, and we need to win pretty pretty well to, to get above South Africa? Yeah, I think they would have been happy to win the toss um, and bowl first, because then it, it gives you the opportunity to chase um, you know, as quickly as you want. So that certainly puts them in a better position to be able to fix net run rate. But I think, obviously, the first goal would have been to, to just win, um, but certainly I'd imagine they would have spoken about just keeping the communication open when there is an opportunity to put put down and try and win a game um, by more in these World Cups when there is net run rate. Um, yeah, you've got to try and take every opportunity that you can. And as I said, I thought that the bowlers with Zampa wrapped up that innings beautifully and then Finchie and Davey came out with some real aggression and, um, and Mitch Marsh as well who came out and finished it off. So it was, as I said, a bloody very, very clinical performance, which is great building towards the back end of the tournament. We keep talking about Tim uh, every week. We've been chatting about the performance of Zampa and how well suited he is over there. I mean, you and I yep. have talked about the fact we we'd love to see Swepson involved at some stage, you know, at the yep. international level. But he's not getting a game at the minute. Zampa looks absolutely outstanding. He does, and he's been, to be fair, he's been an excellent performer for for Australian white ball cricket for a long time, and and for the Melbourne Stars. So. Uh, he's held that mantle, I suppose, as the number one white ball spinner for a while. And, um, yeah, I think he's always been an important part and he's going to be, you know, critical to us going deeper into this World Cup. So to have him, um, you know, number one spinner in, in good form and in really confident going forward, I think he's, he's excellent. Uh, Swepo's probably going to have to wait a little bit longer, but he's, um, you know, probably next in line for, for red ball cricket. So I think we'll see a bit more of Swepo in the, in the coming years, but, um, at the moment, certainly in white boys, he's going to have to bide his time. We, we like having Mitch Marsh back in this team, don't we, for the remainder, Tim? I mean, yeah, he, I do. Is, is he, Absolutely. That dynamic sort of player that he is, um, yep. with the white ball in particular, he, it, it seems right, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. And he's, he, in all the reports out of it, um, you know, even the West Indies and the Bangladesh two before, he's, he's hitting the ball, you know, as well, if not better than he ever has. And I think he's had that really nice stage of his career where you sort of, you know, he's coming towards sort of 30 and understands his game really well. And, and in cricket, that can be a bit of a sweet spot. And, um, I even seen him walk out last night, like he is playing 
with absolute intent and, and zero fear of getting out. And when you have a batsman with his skill and power that has that mindset, they become extremely dangerous. And, um, you know, I think we saw it a little bit from Finchie last night as well. So those guys hitting the ball well. Uh, there'll be some bowling attacks looking around now, seeing the way those two went about it last night. Uh, and you're standing at the top of your mark now, and it's a different kettle of fish when they're coming at you as they were last night. Um, it puts the bowler under immense pressure, as, as England have done. That's sort of the trademark of their white ball cricket. They come at you super hard, and, and it can make even the very best bowlers quite nervous when they're standing at the top of their mark. And when you get in their mind like that, that's when mistakes tend to happen. So I hope they keep that aggression, and uh, Mitch Marsh is certainly a key part of that. Of course, chatting here to Tim Payne, Australian cricket test captain. Payne, the question on everyone's lips is: Would you have caught that third? Uh, would you have caught the third one in Zampa's hat trick there, mate, or with a weighty, weighty grasp? Oh, you, would ne- you, have you never that? know. Oh, you you you'd probably in, like surely, to catch him you? at your best, to be fair. Yeah, you would. But look, it can happen. Certainly, I can speak from my own experience. Last year against Lino there in the last test, it can happen. Um, as much as we train, as hard as we work at it, sometimes mistakes happen. Um, so I did feel for him. And he handled it quite well, though. When Zamps reminded him was the hat-trick ball, I would have blown up, I reckon. <laughs> he said that to me. But there's nothing a wicketkeeper hates more than someone pointing out something like that or a really obvious mistake. It's like, yeah, mate, I know. I tried to drop uh, so I that way. He handled it pretty, pretty nicely. Yeah. Uh, last one Normally on the T20. A bit more aggressive, lady. Yeah, <laughs> we chatted about that before. Last one on the T20 World Cup <laughs> before we go. How important is it for Australia? To, it's to be successful because it's probably been the the query on Australian T20 that we haven't been successful. Um, we've had bit part players. We've had a really sort of rotating side. We finally got our best cricketers yeah. back in the team. How important is it for for that format and for even for the big bash and, and the flow on effect of there? Um, yeah, I think it's certainly the piece of silverware that, that we're chasing because we haven't been able to get. And obviously, we're we're a proud cricket country, so the T20 is something we want to tick off. And as you said, we, we've struggled to get consistently our best team on the park, and and even now we've we've finally got our best players on the park. They haven't played much as a combination, so their roles change every now and then, and. Um, they haven't had continuity for obviously the last 12 to 18 months. So, um, you know, that's not an excuse. It's what I'm starting to see though in the last few games is they're starting to play a little bit better and, and starting to be more comfortable with each other. So, um, it's hugely important. Um, I think, you know, if you win a World Cup or go really well in a World Cup, it takes a lot of pressure off individuals that are in and around the team as well, both from a playing perspective and, and coaching staff. So, um, because of our lack of success, I suppose, in T20, there's a, there's a number of guys in Australian cricket are under, under the pump in that format and um, and people are hungry for success and, and those players are certainly hungry for that success as well. So, um, as I said last night, I thought it was a positive step forward, albeit, you know, Bangladesh are having some issues. It was just around the way we went about it, uh, the way we played last night, I thought it was fantastic. So if we can take that forward and, and, you know, going through to the semi-finals, as I said, I think there's some teams around the world who know that Australia aren't playing all that well in T20, but when we do, on our day, we can certainly beat anyone. So they'll be looking over their shoulder if we can if we can get through to these semi-finals. Well, Payne, uh, I don't know whether you've caught up on this recently. Social media and a few little grabs here. Shane Warne, uh, of course, the greatest <laughs> Shane Warne, the spinner, the king, had this to say oh, about goodness. Australia's current Test cricket team. 
I just look at the Australian side and there's a lot of gaps. I think our fast bowlers, Pat Cummins looks a short of a gallop. Now we know he's going to come good because he's world class. But Stark's nowhere. Uh, Hazelwood's bowling well. But apart from that, we've got Warner, can't, you know, he's not making a run very much. Who's he going to open with? Labashane Smith, 3 4. Who's going to bat 5? Green's still a young player, looks pretty good. Payne. He's a, you know, he's had a shocker the last couple of years as captain. Tactically, he's been very poor, lost two series, can't make a run. So our side's not that great. You know, here's the big thing. No one fears Australia anymore. No one fears Australia anymore. And and even in that pain, he's had a go tactically at you and the way you've been coaching, uh, uh, captaining, sorry. Right of reply, Tim. What have you got to say? No, no, I'm going to let it go, Jack. To be honest, I'm uh, no, no. I, that I would bite my tongue. <laughs> um, I've got some things I need to concentrate on first. So, no. Look, what I will say is, Warnie is obviously very opinionated, and he's happy to give his opinion. And oh, really, Tim? You no, know, you guys are sitting there now in the media, and his job is to critique us um, and give his opinion. So, look, I've worked in commentary and cricket. Uh, worked on the radio with you guys and at times you have to give an opinion that people don't like and might not necessarily agree with and um, end of the day that's his opinion and um, we'll let him have it for now. Tim, there's a difference between critiquing and fabricating and Shane Warren, is, he's, he may have fabricated a few little things in there and I, I, yeah, I just look at I just look at the way we're shaping up. I, um, Flash, I think that the T20 World Cup, whilst it's a completely different format of cricket, is setting us up nicely. Now, it, whether we go on to make the final or win it, we've actually started to find some form. Some form and Dave Warner is a crucial part of that. Mitchell Stark will be a crucial part, we think, to the Ashes as well. But yeah. Warney, get it right. Get it right. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, and the other thing is, I mean, we're, we're not hiding from the fact that we haven't played our best test cricket. There's no doubt about that, particularly last summer. The summer before that, we won 5-0. Um, and we've had no very, very little test cricket. So, yeah, we, there are some guys that are struggling um, for some continuity and some consistency because, you know, Jack, if you played four games of footy in 12 months, you're not always going to be at your absolute best. Um, so it can be difficult, and we've this team has had some challenges that no other Australian team has had, and um, we're fighting our way through them like you AFL players are. And, uh, sometimes you don't quite play at your best, but um, we're not hiding away from that and saying that we are the greatest Australian cricket team or we're dominant and we're playing as well as we would like to. We we said that ourselves that we think we've got plenty of improvement left, but we also think that our best cricket is right up there. So. Um, that's what we're trying to concentrate on is, is making sure that we're ready to go for the Ashes and this test team can play its, its best cricket. But again, we've got some challenges with guys being on a T20 World Cup, then coming home, doing two-week quarantine in a hotel room without training uh, and then having about eight days before we head into the first test. So it's going to be a challenge for not only for us but for England. But um, yeah, there's some challenges that international sportsmen at the moment are, are facing that others haven't had to in the past. We're speaking with the skipper of the country, Tim Payne. And, and Tim, the beauty of it is, and Jack mentioned about the T20 and the build-up from that, but probably more importantly with the, the Shield cricket going on, we're going to get a real... We already have had a good insight and in, in the form of some players. Um, I'll talk about Will Pekoski if we can in a minute as well, but there's a yep. real battles going on, isn't there? Kawaja started so well, Marcus Harris uh, fires back with a big 100 next week. We start with the Shield games again uh, today, the Vicks play in New South Wales. The Tigers back against the Redbacks down here for the first game of the season next week. Queensland playing WA. 
Um, things are pretty tight at the top in particular, pardon the pun, because that's that open yep. spot is where we're very focused on at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, Will Bukowski's, you know, not playing today, which is um, not ideal for him. But, um, you know, we, we just want to get him right. He's got 10, 12 years left of international cricket once we can get him fit. So there's no rush on here. But like you said, I think the pleasing thing in the last couple of Shield games or the start of the Shield season has been uh, the guys that you would like or that have been talked about to be in the frame for those opening spots or that number five, six spot have all been scoring runs um, and making George Bailey's job more and more difficult as each Shield game goes on. So that's what we want. We want those guys that are up for spots scoring big hundreds and, and putting pressure on um, each other and building the depth around our squad. So, you know, Marcus Harris, Usman Khawaja, guys like that have certainly been putting their hand up um, and they're sort of hardened, experienced players, which, you know, can be a key in, in a big series like an Ashes series. So, um, yeah, we're, well, I'm thrilled to see those guys scoring runs and, and putting their hand up to play a part in the Ashes this summer. Paney, are those two just, in terms of, we look at the openers, Kawaja and, and Harris, but the, the, the number five spot, is, is Travis Head in his form, is he the most likely person to bat number five in that first test? Uh, yeah, well, I think he's one of the guys. So I think those probably three or three guys that we've spoken of are probably all you know, gunning for spots. Um, so had he started the season on fire, um, Usman the same. So like I said, I, I don't know if anyone's an absolute front runner at the moment. Um, you know, we'll probably have to get George on the show to take us through some of that. Um, but as I said, it's, it's great to see those guys scoring a lot of runs. Wolsey in particular has kind of gone out of the team um, for a couple of years. But still, you know, the guy averages 40 in test cricket. And um, I think he's average. I don't know exactly. So if I don't know, Jack, I won't throw numbers out there. Off that. <laughs> just, I don't want to be incorrect. But just fabricate a guess. But yeah, but I think his average in Test cricket in Australia is, is unbelievably good as well. So his record uh, on home soil is, is unbelievable and it's great to have such an experienced quality player like him in good form. And then Travis Head's a, you know, the younger sort of exciting attacking player that you can throw in at six and he can change the momentum of a game really quickly. So those two in one of those middle-order spots um, both both bring a lot of quality and then Marcus Harris is, you know, he's been dominant for Victoria at the top of the order for a couple of years now. He went over and played county cricket and scored an absolute mountain of runs, and he's come back and started the season really well. So um, he's certainly putting his hand up um, with Will Bukowski being unavailable. Did you catch that, Jack? He just said head maybe at six. I wonder, is that Cameron Green gets an elevation? I'm just going to write a couple of notes down there. We'll just uh, keep an eye on that. Now, Tim, the other day, last week, I said head in that five-six position, David. (laughs) Pardon, I must be be mistaken. Um, You're having a keep today. Is that right? Have I got that right? Is today you're going to have a decent keep? Um, Uh, How are you feeling, mate? I had a decent catch yesterday. Pretty good. Pretty good. I've, uh, yeah, I had a bit of a dive around yesterday, so I'm a little bit stiff today. Uh, I was actually going to have a catch with the great Tim Coyle, uh, the former Tasmanian coach, was coming down this afternoon with the Greater Northern Raiders, I think, so I was going to have a catch with him, but uh, I've had to pull a pin on that just to uh, sort of give myself a bit of time uh, to rest up. I suppose I don't want to be doing too much uh, back-to-back days, so, so nothing to worry about, just a bit of stiffness having... Had a few months off. Um, I've pulled up a little bit sore, but yeah, yesterday was, um, you know, as I would train normally, so it was a really good sign that I got through that and I'm um, looking forward to playing a game of cricket in the coming weeks. And you say playing a game of cricket, is that a shield game or are we looking at a second 11 game there and 
How many games yeah. are you now forecasting to get before that first test? Uh, yeah, so I'd love to get a club game in, um, followed by then either a second eleven or a shield game, just depending on the dates of those games and, and how I pulled up from um, from playing in the club game. Uh, but yeah, ideally, I, you know, I'd like to play a, a club game, a second living game, a shield game, and a one day one day for Tassie in late November, and um, and then go up to to Queensland. And um, I think there's talk of us having a sort of intra squad game like we did last Ashes over in England. So um, you know, it's potentially I'm getting two, three, or four games of cricket in um, before that first test, which would be a really good result. Very good. That sounds uh, sounds very promising. Well, Payne. I... This one got sent to me and you, and, and I. Uh, this is completely off cricket now, so, and I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about this. An uh, article from Blabbermouth.net, uh, January 8, 2003. I'm going to read you out and paraphrase a little bit out. A 27-year-old Australian man beat 10 other finalists to win the Hobart Summer Festival Air Guitar Showdown with his impression of ACDC's Mad Axman Angus Young, according to Australia's well, Tasmania's The Mercury. David Lithgow carefully choreographed a well-rehearsed piece and won the West <laughs> and won the West Hobart carpet salesman a shiny black electric guitar signed by Cold Chisels Ian Moss Flash is this it can't be true can it you, you, what's that? it can't be true yeah, it can be true look, I'm a, it can be true look I'm a three time air guitar champion actually but I did hang up the air um, in about 2005-06 many years ago but um, look I, you know sometimes after dark and even not after dark we do some interesting things but no, that was good. That was good. Uh, the great Ian Moss, hey, Cold Chisel. Um, what a legend he is. Have you still got the guitar? I've very much still got it. Uh, I actually think I gave it to somebody um, that uh, got a bit of benefit out of learning the guitar, which is probably something I wish I did myself. But anyway. Well, Flash, uh, no, not, not, not anyway. I've still got flash? it. In t- I want to know Flash and myself have actually got a bit of a do on tomorrow, so I might see if we can get another rendition of that. Uh, carefully Ooh, choreographed we do too. Yes. performance. Yes. Um, Flash, how's the wrist? How's the wrist after? Because you fell off in the in the semi-finals. Apparently, you fell off the stage. Is that correct? The, now, the beauty of it was, I actually <laughs> did a little slip, but I sort of manufactured it to land on my knees, and it actually worked out <laughs> magnificently. If I was being quite frank about it, um, that was the days. Move on. Uh, very good. Cool, very cool. cool. Well, Payne, thank you for joining us, mate. We look forward to catching up with you the next week and seeing how obviously the Australians have gone to the T20 World Cup, but also your progression through the neck injury, mate. Best of luck for the week. Beautiful boys, thanks for having me. Chat to you soon. There we are, always joined by the Australian cricket captain Tim Payne. Didn't get a Jock Langdale update, I might get that after the break. This is Jack and Flash on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lithgow. Welcome back to Jack and Flash on SEN Hobart, brought to you by Harrison Agents. Selling your home, Harrison Agents have got your back. You can give us a call on 1300 42 1533 or send us a text on 0437 555. And one off the text line here, hashtag Team Painey. The only warning we should listen to is the Tasmanian who gives AFL fantasy footy advice. Flash, I've just, this reeks of self-promotion. We know DT Warney, he loves the show and always tweets us the night before and is very active on our social media. I think he might have just taken the chance to give himself a little bit of a pump-up. Don't mind it. I'm probably... I'm 
full agreeance with him. That's the thing, I think. Yes, he's a good man, Warney. If that is, is that Warney or is it someone else giving him Warney yourself? You no, think no, it is I, I reckon we're going to say it's Warney. We, we don't know. Beautiful. Creep back in, Warney, if it was you or if someone else has thrown him under the bus. Well done, well done. I enjoy that sort of stuff. So, no, uh, he's, uh, so he's good on the old fantasy stuff, old Warney. So, not my cup of tea, but... Uh, Yes, that's a good yes. that's a good segue into talking about a bit of footy because um, there is a bit happening of, of recent times of the last Come week on, or two. Flash, it's, 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 it's November. Yeah, the AFL do, do, I know, but the AFL does an amazing job to to try and keep it in the back page of the Herald, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But a few things, and I, can I can I run you by a couple of things that we've, you know, and it's always the bloody rule changes, you know, rule changes, rule changes, and it seems to come up all the time. Um, let me let me tick off a few things with you. Um, yep. The new rule last year, the the stand rule at the mark. Now, how did how did you feel it worked? I mean, it seemed to for observing, like especially in the first several weeks, there was a real um, aesthetically it looked tremendous, and maybe coaches worked things out as it went on. What what did you find it from someone who's generally down one end of the ground? And you can see it all happening in front of you. Yeah, no, I, do, I, I think like any new rule, it always evolves during the year and coaches are pretty smart and, and coaching groups are extremely smart in terms of exploiting the rules or, or managing them as, as well as they can. I was a bit worried early on when this one got announced because I thought, oh, there's going to be 50 metre penalties left or right, but players adjusted fair, to it fairly well. What it did create, though, is it created this panic early on when where the game was so free-flowing and I think that was quite evident to people watching the footy over the first four to five rounds that, that, that there was high scoring, there was really um, really good flowing bits of play um, and, and it probably caught a lot of teams on the hop really in terms of how to defend it and how to, how to actually play the rule. Um, so whether it's in the explanation, you actually don't have to come up to the man of the mark, you can sit back five, five metres. So sides we see started to sit back five metres but ultimately, it probably led to a little bit more flooding and sides maybe not pressing up as, as strong defensively and just sitting back in, in their own back half and recapturing the ball in their own back half. So I, I think it was a miss, that one. I'm not, I'm not big on the old standing the mark rule. Now, this old chestnut to come up again um, from the GOAT on this occasion. And I'm not, look, from history-wise, we're talking about Lee Matthews. He has talked about this for... As long as I can remember, um, our producer Mitch Scott's old sparring partner Kevin Bartlett used to always be on about this as well. And the, they want, and they continue to talk about how they want the ball to be given more time to dispose. In other words, um, you know, first in whoever grabs the footy, give them more opportunity to get it. So, in other words, you know, when you tackle them, maybe you have to, you, you got to do a seven twenty. They got to throw the ball up into the sky, into the clouds before you throw it you know, throw the whistle up and actually blow a free kick. Am I no. just, is it just me here? Well, this is garbage, isn't it? No, look, on that explanation, I don't think that that's the way to go about it. I, I'm a bit more of a, I like, would like to see tackles more awarded in terms of even... Definitely. Lean on the side of holding the ball, like actually pay Absolutely. those free kicks. Free, free kicks are... I think they're the the frustration of the supporter, especially when they go the other way. But that, that for me is actually the key to getting the game up and going a little bit more free flowing as well. The the other rule I would bring back is the third man in the ruck. I, I think that's important in terms of clearing the ball out of um, out of the general vicinity and actually having players on the move because the movement will create player movement will create ball movement. So no, I I, I 
disagree um, with that take in terms of allowing players to hold on to the ball for longer because right now players are still coached to say if you've got if you're on the ground then don't cough the ball up because a cough up turns into a real quick bit of play and gets away so the, the longer players are allowed to hold on to the ball the slower the game's going to become for mine couple of very quick ones um what about rotations interchange subs etc where, where do you th- is it have we got it right do we want nah, it back further i think uh i think unlimited unlimited get speed on the game allow players to to be at their best allow them to be fast allow them to be dynamic uh everyone thinks that rotations will slow the game down because players can rotate behind the ball quicker but i'm telling you now that if players are fresh it's easy to run forward and running forward is downhill, and I can speak from absolute experiences. I am not going to run. <laughs> I'm not running harder towards the opposition goals. Slash, I'm running harder towards my own goals because you, you've got that <laughs> little lick of the ice cream on the end of it to maybe get the little sneaky six pointer. So I'm I'm running faster towards towards goal offensively, and I think rotations now in terms of what players can do. We, we want the speed on the game. We want that dynamic play. And I know collision injuries happen, but that is a part of, of AFL football. Are we happy with a Medi sub? Uh, don't mind it. Don't mind it. Um, interesting, interesting application of it in the last little bit. So, no, um, certainly, uh, certainly, one day out before the start of the season, I think we're going to have a Medi sub. We may may have missed the mark a little bit. Any more on the AFL there, Flash? No, no. I think that's no. about it. It's uh, they're the well, ones. We got it. We got it in the news. We got it in the news. We- it's. This is the Jack and Flash show right here on SEN Hobart. Talkback number 1342-1533. And, of course, the text number 0437-552-535 if you want to talk anything. The Jack Jumpers season is obviously coming up, the preseason with the NBL Blitz, and then the season kicks off December 3. You want to talk uh, any cricket uh, or any uh, football. Um, and we have got another text in here. This one's come from Warnie. We outed him, uh, but it, he, he certainly has texted himself in. Greatest self-promoter of all time there, Flash. A bit of bit of airtime for Warnie, but uh, things are happening in Tasmanian sport. One I'll put on the agenda is the Hell of the South bike race is on Saturday. Uh, it's a little bike race I went in last year. 90-odd, 90-odd contestants down at Signet Way, so best of luck to everyone's going in the Hell of the South bike race. But Hurricanes, Flash, men's and women's, where's that at at the moment? Well, certainly in the women's side of thing, that's it's nowhere. It's it's over uh, the season, and I, I've got to be frank. I think it's a yeah, very much so. I I had full hopes um, that they could very much get back in the semis. It's been a number of years, very talented list, um, in, in particular with the ball uh, and batting wise. You look at it on paper, they they certainly appear like they've had enough to absolutely be. You know, right up there and really dangerous, but they haven't made runs, um, and they're done. They're out. So that that tournament for them uh, is effectively over. So that's that's a really uh, an interesting one. The Renegades are playing really well. They sit on top clearly at the moment uh, by a couple of points. Brisbane Heat have had a decent tournament. The Sixers third, and the Scorchers in fourth. A little gap to the Stars in fifth. Who are still very much alive, but. The Hurricanes are uh, not going to be uh, their year. And, that, and more so disappointing for the fact that they've been at home, Jack, for the mm. last couple of mm. weeks, um, or the last since the tournament started, actually. So they really haven't made the most of that. So a bit of soul-searching to be done there for sure. And you're hearing anything from the men's competition, which starts early December. Uh, how's the squad looking? 
noticed I noticed Quay Ahmed signed with the Stars overnight, so he of course spent some time down here with the Hurricanes. Um, look, it's been very very quiet uh, over the last week or two with that. Of course, the focus very much on what's happening in the World Cup, etc. But that'll come around quickly. Um, it's a big year for the for the Hurricanes that they have sort of they've looked absolute world beaters the last couple of years, but haven't been able to follow through and into into finals cricket uh, exit two years ago, of course. So, look, yeah, it, it is an interesting one. It's going to come around quickly. Um, obviously, she will cr- cricket the focus. They'll play Tassie, get their first game at home at Bill Reeve next week. Uh, you can catch all that on KO Sports if you're still in quarantine for that first day anyway. Jack, and you never know, you might hear my voice talking about it, which would be very good fun. It'd be good to call some cricket. Self-promotion. To that. Well, Warney's doing it. I mean, you <laughs> might as well. It's sink or swim around this place. You've been doing it your whole life, so um, I'm happy to be involved in that in that regard. I'll tell you what is interesting. Um, this story with David Reynolds um, mm, missing yes. the soup. Now, you're well... Oh, this is an area that's not my expertise, but he's missing the season. Um, he is not vaccinated. Um, he's he is now. He's medic. had one shot he today. Is now. No, not today. He's he's had a shot two days ago. He two did. days ago, he's had so, his first. So they've we'll got back to back. It. Yeah, I've got back to back supercars events here. Of course, with Simmons Plains, we have the Tasmanian event down here, which we haven't been able to have for a couple of years now. But um, David Reynolds, yeah, has uh, has had a, a medical exemption um, denied. So they raced last week at Sydney Motorsport Park. There were three more Sydney Motorsport Park events to go uh, over the next three weeks and then into Bathurst. So he would be ready in terms of being double vaccinated to be able to compete at Bathurst. Whether he competes or not is an interesting one. But it's a, it's a really interesting landscape, Flash. It's just, well, I've we'll seen Aaron Rodgers now. He's oh, immunised, but he's not vac- vaccinated. So my gosh. it's a it's he's a certain immunized. watch here. It's a, it's a certain watch over the next period of time with vaccinations. Lucas Herbert uh, has won... His first PGA Tour event, he's won two on the European Tour, but he won the Bermuda Championship uh, last weekend. So congratulations to Lucas Herbert. This is Jack and Flash on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Flash with Jack Revolt and David Lifko. Welcome back to Jack and Flash right here on SEN Hobart, SEN Track at the northern part of the state and around the country and around the globe on the SEN app. Well, springtime, well, it brings good weather, Flash. It also brings an amazing racing carnival, and we're nearly all the way through it. Uh, of course, Hitotsu won the Derby last Saturday. Um, very elegant. What a performance that was Oof, in the Melbourne nice. Cup. And then the Oaks yesterday was won by this man, champion jockey, Damien Oliver. Damien, welcome to Tassie Radio and welcome to Jack and Flash. Thanks for having us on the show, guys. No, we're, we're very, very privileged to have you on the show, mate. Yesterday's win, a big win on Willowy. One group, well, group one no, win for you, 127. It, when you hear 127 group one winners, do you still pinch yourself and think, how have I got to this many? And, and you must be so wrapped to have, have brought it up in such a big race. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's hard to believe uh, that I had ridden that many, but, you know, I just suppose it shows I've been doing it for a long time. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a record I'm really proud of, and it was great to do it during Melbourne Cup week. 
I tell you what, Ollie, you've had a tremendous couple of weeks. Your form looks as good as ever. The group ones with Colette, the Empire Rose, and Superstorm. Uh, going into yesterday's uh, main event, you're obviously going for your seventh three on the trot. Um, you had some nervous moments there. You really had to dig deep in that last hundred. Yeah, I, I didn't think I was going to catch the eventual second horse. She was holding us, holding us very well over the last two hundred metres, but. Um, we both, the horse and myself, uh, Willowy, we dug deep and we managed just to crawl over the line the last bit. God bless her. In terms of your form, Ollie, I, I'm just observing you over the last month. You, you look to be absolutely at your very, very best indeed. As you're floating through your 40s, I know you're getting close to 5 0. Have you changed things up? I mean, how do you keep yourself fresh and, and keen and, and, and staying at the very top? Well, give us a bit of an insight into to what you do at the moment. Um, I suppose I've been doing it so long now. I've just probably worked out a good balance between work and, and recovery. And I, I probably don't train off the track near as much as I probably used to 10 years or more ago. Um, still riding a lot, you know, I probably average six to seven hundred rides a year, so that keeps me pretty fit and, and with track work involved in that as well. And then, you know, my days off, I, I like to have a hit of golf or occasionally go for a surf or just walk the dog, things like that. And, and even um, my, young, my young son, he's 11 now, so he's really keen on his footy, so he get, gets me out kicking the footy most days. So, yeah, he, he, he's, I'm having trouble keeping up with him, I must say. <laughs> How's the uh, how's the swing going, Ollie? I know you're a, you are a Ken golfer. You mentioned that there. Are you hitting them well? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a bit hard during lockdown. Obviously, we didn't get to play too much, so I was playing pretty good before that. And then coming back, I was a bit rusty, but just started to get get back into the groove a little bit now. I took James Cummings out for a game at Huntingdale last week, and uh, he's a very competitive golfer. We had a great we had a great match on on Sunday. Well, record equaling seventh Oaks, it's 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 an amazing achievement. Uh, and the thing that gets lost a little bit is the third straight one you've won. Do you, in terms of preparing a horse, and obviously the trainer does that, but the selecting the right horse to to ride in in that carnival and in that race, how much time and effort do you put into to getting it right? Because you're getting it right now three years in a row. Yeah, you don't always, you can't always get on the horses you want to get on. It'd be nice if you could just pick and choose which ones you can. So it's probably important to build a good relationship with some some key stables. And I've been riding a lot for Godolphin over the last sort of twelve to eighteen months, and and they've got a great team of horses. So that that's been great. And last year I was on a horse for David Hay, uh, sorry uh, Ben Hayes and Todd Dabernick, uh Personal won the Oaks. So another strong stable, and, and Danny O'Brien the previous year to that with um, Miami Bound. So, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to, to be involved with some strong stables. That, that certainly helps the job, makes the job a lot easier. And, uh, and perhaps, you know, when you're winning these type of races, maybe people might, uh, you, you might appeal to them as well, perhaps as riding, uh, suiting to ride their type of horses, like an Oaks or a Derby type horse. So uh, there's probably two sides of it from that regard as well. But, you know, very happy to be, to be riding some really nice horses over Melbourne Cup week, and it's, you know, we work hard through the winter trying to put ourselves in a good position to to find some nice horses to ride, and then hopefully 
come the Melbourne or Spring Carnival, it can pay dividends for us later in the spring. Ollie, tomorrow, of course, you'll be sitting back and watching with a with a cup of tea. Um, d- look, tell us about the Superstorm. I mean, is that must be a bit disappointing for you that you can't get to ride it tomorrow. It was a terrific performance last start. Yeah, well, both him and Colette, um, they're actually clashing in the same race in the McKinnon Stakes on Saturday, but I was actually going to ride Colette in that race. Yep. Um, so I'll miss her and obviously Superstorm, but um, they've got to come up against Zaki and there's a few others in that race as well. So it looks a great race, um, but it will be difficult to watch. Um, but uh, yeah, I've uh, got a little suspension I've, I've got now from the Melbourne Cup so I can at least put my feet up and, and relax for a week or two. Do you what think is- Zaki's going to be very hard to beat? I think so, but he hasn't raced for a month and um, he's a little bit... Jury's out a little bit about his form. He had a little setback. He was defeated last start, but he's a very good horse, and um, I wouldn't be underestimating, but we'll see. There's, there's a little bit of rain forecast for Saturday as well, so Colette doesn't mind the wet as well. Uh, Damien, we're chatting here to, to Damien Oliver, champion jockey, and has been successful jockey, uh, three group runs over the Flemington Carnival, uh, and we won't be riding tomorrow, unfortunately, but Damien... <laughs> What's uh, what's your form been like down here in Tassie in the Hobart sort of Lonnie Cup scene? Have you have you had any winners? Have you done well down here in the Apple Isle? Because uh, certainly we love it when you come down here and ride in the in the major carnivals. Yeah, I have. I've had a bit of luck down there. Not in so much in recent times, but I think I've won I've won both the Hobart, Hobart and Launceston Cups back in the day. Um, but it's a great carnival to get down to. I always enjoy coming down to Tassie to ride um, over the summer months for their for their big races and and perhaps get a game of golf in while I'm down there. Barn Boogle, mate. There's, I'm, I'm actually I'm in home quarantine, Damien, at the moment. I'm looking across, and I can see the uh, South Arm, which is where a golf course called Arm End is going in, and it is looking pristine today. So no doubt when you're down here for the next Hobart Cup, hopefully it's up and going and you can have a hit over here. Love to, Jack. That'd be great. <laughs> Ollie, for you, uh, 49 years of age, um, absolutely at the top of your game. Um, have you set yourself any sort of points? Like, do you do you want to, you know, do you want to be a, I guess Tom Brady equivalent, he's 44, so in, in jockey term, it's probably about 62. Um, <laughs> what, do you think about it? Like, do you think about one day the end? Or like, or is it a year at a time or not even a focus for you? Um, yeah, I suppose as you're getting close to the end, you do start to think about it. Um, as a jockey, unfortunately, you can ride a little bit longer than, or, you know, compete a long, bit longer than most athletes with the horses doing the running for us. Um, but, yeah, I, probably over the last four or five years, I have just been taking it year by year, and I'm not one to probably uh, draw out or plan a retirement sort of farewell. I think I'll just wake up one day, and, and I think that'll be it. But, um, yeah, I'm just enjoying every moment I can at the moment. Well, Ollie, uh, congratulations on, on an amazing career so far and obviously a, a fantastic carnival. We mentioned the name Tom Brady, LeBron James. Well, they're f- superstars, world superstars that are doing it well into the uh, twilight years of their career. I'm wondering what the Damien Oliver diet is because Tom Brady's got his, mate. But congratulations and thank you for joining us on SCN Hobart. Thanks, guys. There you go, Flash, Damien Oliver, oh, champion a jockey. What a privilege. What, Absolute legend and privilege to have him on board. How's the uh, how's the uh, punt been going for you, Flash, over the carnival? 
Um, look, well, as you very, very well know, very elegant was sensational um, for us. So that was a good result. We got that one. What a champion. Ten group ones, one of the best group ones I've seen. Well, a couple of texts. Tim Payne is all class. Shane Warne leaves class. <laughs> class. Pearl from Macquarie hasn't missed him there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. We're, we're, hopefully, hopefully we can get the muzzle off Payne and actually get his thoughts maybe next week. This has been Jack and Flash on SN Hobart. Up next, Kane Corns has got Jeff Kennett, which will be a very interesting Ooh, interview. Thanks for joining us again on SN Hobart.